Have you ever been saved out of a hopeless situation? When Todd Eldress was struck three times by a shark, the situation seemed hopeless to him. He was lost. But then a pot of dolphins came and circled him as he gradually made his way safely to shore. During a deep diving competition, Wen Yan Yun was deep underwater. It was so cold she was paralysed and couldn't swim to the surface. She was saved when a beluga whale came and grabbed hold of her and brought her to the surface. But my favourite is how Lulu the pot-bellied pig saved her owner's life after they had a heart attack. Lulu waddled outside and lay down in the middle of the road, stopping the next car. The driver got out to see what was wrong, discovered her owner and called the ambulance. Do you know the joy of being saved out of a hard situation, perhaps a hopeless situation? We all know the emotional power that hope can be, don't we? You know, when you're really looking forward to something, it puts the a spring in your step, a smile on your face. It, it pulls you forward the hard days, looking forward to the, the day when that hope finally becomes a reality. Hope can seem hard to come by for some. The grief of loved ones lost, the disappointments of dreams dashed, the painful memories of ruptured relationships or the fears of an uncertain future as we begin another year. And of course, the event in Australia we are all looking forward to next year is playing India five times in tests. That reading from Luke chapter 2, Luke invites us to see the hope of God's newborn king. And I think that's why Luke uh, begins at verse 21 with salvation's name. We read that at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. It's a name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Do you know what your name means? My wife Geeta, her name means sacred song or poem. Dean Andrews' first name means strong, denoting bravery or courage. Well, Jesus' name means God saves. His name is literally his job description, God saving. When you reduce Christianity down, it is quite simply a rescue mission. God in Jesus saving us from what we all most need to be rescued from. Luke writes to give a certainty that if you have Jesus, you have this salvation. Now what follows is what I uh, fondly call Luke's Salvation Sandwich. Luke's Salvation Sandwich. Now one of my favourite post-Christian traditions back in Australia is to take the leftover Christmas ham and I'm just going to put this here. You get two pieces of bread, two pieces of cheese and lots of the leftover ham in the middle and you toast it and it is just beautiful. Well that's sort of what's going on in this passage. The two pieces of bread is God's salvation word, the two pieces of cheese, a Simeon and Anna, and then the heart, the whole reason for the sandwich, is salvation's witness. It's what Simeon says about Jesus. Well, let's begin with the bread, begin with salvation's word. You'll notice up on the screen that um, as Luke starts off 
we read that when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, that they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the Lord of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what it is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Four times the law of the Lord is mentioned. And then at the very end of our reading, we heard that when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Why does Luke mention the law of the Lord five times? Well, just quite simply, he's trying to show us that Jesus really is qualified to save us. You see, 1,500 years before Jesus, God saved Israel from slavery out of Egypt, and he did it through the death of a Passover lamb given for the life of each family's firstborn son. Since then, the law of the Lord said that every firstborn had to be redeemed by a sacrifice at the temple. Hence, we have Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus on the eighth day to the temple. Offering up the sacrifice for the firstborn son not only reminded Israel during those 1,500 years up to Jesus, not only reminded them that they were only God's rescued people because of the costly gift of sacrifice. But importantly, the law of the Lord taught every time they did this, it pointed to the better Passover lamb who would not only take away the sins of the world, but would be the one through whom God would remake a broken world. It's a little bit like the father who woke up early one Christmas morning, he made a coffee, sat down to read his Christmas paper, but then he heard the pitter-patter of steps down the stairs. His five-year-old daughter had woken up early. He was really keen to read his paper and enjoy his coffee. He saw on a page in the paper a picture of a world, got some scissors, cut it up into pieces and sent his daughter away with the pieces and some um, sticky tape to put the world back together. He'd only been back reading his paper a few minutes when she was back gleefully holding up the paper. Look, Daddy, look, Daddy, I've put it all back together. And sure enough, she'd put the world back together. She said, how, how did you do it so quickly? Oh, Daddy, it was easy because on the back was a picture of a man. And I thought if I make the man right, I'll make the world right. And that's the point that Luke is making, Luke is making here in this passage, that God has made his man right in Jesus, fully credentialed and qualified to remake us and our broken world. And so we come to Simeon and Anna. They are like the two pieces of cheese in Luke's salvation sandwich, two spirit-saturated sentinels sent to watch and witness the arrival of God's salvation. You see, some 800 years before Jesus in the book of Isaiah, God promised he'd put sentinels, if you like, watchmen at Jerusalem to look out for the arrival of his salvation to announce it. For example, Isaiah 52.6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. And so we come to Simeon, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
In fact, three times we're told by Luke that the Spirit of the living God was on Simeon, the same Holy Spirit who overshadowed a young virgin with child has also prepared people to watch and witness for Jesus' arrival. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are all in to see humanity saved. But what has God's watcher man been waiting to see? We're waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, what do you think of when I say the word consolation? The consolation prize is the prize you get for losing, isn't it? Ever come second, you know, in a competition? When my grandson Ari gets a bump or a cut, he calls it a boo-boo. And part of how Ari is comforted is by mum or dad putting a band-aid on his boo-boo. Our granddaughter Priya, she's two, when she wants to be consoled or comforted, she just comes up and says, cuddles, 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 cuddles. She, needs, she, she wants a cuddle. To console means to comfort in a time of hardship or suffering, doesn't it? The Bible's story of humanity is that from the beginning we get ourselves lost from the God because we think life is better without God and ourselves in charge. And so Jesus arrives to a humanity who are under God's judgment, under his wrath. And he arrives to his Old Testament people who are in exile, cut off from God because of the recalcitrant sin and rebellion and idolatry. But yet some 800 years before Jesus, this is what God promised. From Isaiah 40 we read, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, what does it mean by saying double for all her sins? The little word double in the original is like the most beautiful divine origami. It's the idea of a perfectly folded piece of paper. On one side, you've got all human sin, and on the other side of the paper, we have God's perfect match folded to cover over all that sin. This comfort, comfort is a promise that God himself will cover, will pay the debt of all sin. It's the, it's the invitation of declaring a pardon for all who will turn to Jesus, who will come to God's saviour man. Like the Christmas ham is the point of my sandwich, so we do come to the point Luke's making here in his salvation sandwich, which is salvation's witness. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, declares Simeon, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. My eyes have seen your salvation. Through Simeon's Holy Spirit-inspired speaking, we learn who Jesus is and who he's for. Simeon is quoting from Isaiah chapter 49 where God says this about his servant. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Notice that Yahweh calls his servant my salvation, which is why Simeon calls the infant he holds in his arms your salvation, your salvation. Because Jesus literally is 
salvation, God saving. If you have Jesus, you have all that God is offering. You have salvation. But who is God's salvation for? Well, again, that reading we had from Isaiah 52. Listen, your watchmen, lift up your voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. And so here many of us sit this morning, having come to see Jesus God's salvation from the scriptures. You have Jesus, you have God's salvation. What a great thing to know as we finish this year and start another year. I met Taylor last year, an anxious soon-to-be new young mum, only 18 years old. I met her in the middle of the Australian desert in a little mining town. From her first breath, Taylor's challenges had been many. Abandoned by her mum at birth, she'd been raised by her dad and uh, when the father of her child found out that she was uh, pregnant, he abandoned her. Her whole life had been one of being abandoned. Something made her turn back down the road she was walking down one Sunday in October last year. She walked inside Roxby Downs Community Church, a Bush Church Aid Church, and she was welcomed by Gemma, another young mum with three kids. Gemma took her along to a new mum's group in town, invited her home um, to, to join her Bible study group. And then Gemma, with Pastor Glenn, went through Christianity Explored with her. And over the coming months, Taylor met a God, a Jesus who loved her, who gave his life for her, who accepted her, offered to cover over all the debt and the mess of her sin and her life up until that point. December last year, Taylor asked Jesus to be her personal Lord and Saviour. She became a Christian. And in March this year, she was baptised with her new little baby boy, Clifton. A beautiful story of grace. Do you know the joy of God's pardon and peace in Jesus? There would be no better way for you to end this year that if you are still holding out on Jesus, if you are yet to ask him into your life to be your Lord and Saviour, talk to Dean Andrew, talk to someone here about how you do that, what that looks like. I promise you no better way for you to start 2024. But of course, it's not like Taylor's problems have all gone away. In fact, in some respects, life's become even harder for Taylor her dad, dad, dad is quite upset that she became a Christian and she has just other life challenges going on for her and perhaps explains something of what Simeon goes on to say to Mary. We read in Luke 2, 34-35, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And of course, this is all part of Jesus' humbling, rescuing work. The only way Jesus can save us is to expose the thoughts 
the secrets, the sin, the deceptions that are in our hearts because that's how he saves us, to convict us that we need saving. And he does it all because God longs to give us new hearts after God's own heart. This child's coming, though, will sift and question allegiances. It will bring divisions within families, even pierce the hearts of Mary, we're told. The sword of Jesus' rejection and suffering and death to save people from sin that would so agonise Mary's soul. It was the cost of her son being the saviour of the world. In the words of our granddaughter Priya, for God to be able to cuddle us and wrap us up, this son of God first had to open his arms on a Roman cross and die for us for our forgiveness. And so we come to Salvation's Watcher Woman, Anna. We read in chapter 2 from sentence 36 that there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Widowed after just seven years of marriage, her future taken from her, chance at children, family. She's been fending for herself as a widow for over 60 years, waiting and watching, coming daily to the temple. Now perhaps, like Anna, you are a little familiar with the grief, the hopelessness of losing a sibling, a parent, a spouse, a child, the inconsolable grief that can follow that. The story of scripture is God continually taking his people, his prophets, even his own son, to the wilderness places to discover that God really is enough, that God can be trusted to provide and always keeps his promises. Anna is just a beautiful picture of what it means for us to wait and watch for God's good promises to come to pass. And of course, finally, the day arrived. There is Jesus. We read in verse 38 that coming up to them at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Did you notice that Anna wasn't waiting alone? She spoke to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. There were others looking forward to God's promised future in the Bible. Waiting with hope can be hard, especially by yourself, especially when your life circumstances are hard. But these men and women, they watched and waited together. They kept gathering to watch and wait together, reminding each other of God's good promises and, of course, the good God who always keeps his promises to not give up, to keep believing. And so as we finish, I do so with this question. What sort of church has Christ Jesus saved us to be in 24? Well, Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica from 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Having come once, we are to watch and wait for God's king to come again. And when he does, all the groaning, the tears, all the boo-boos, all gone, all gone. Simeon and Anna teach us how we can witness to Jesus in fact, how we should be 
holding out the name of Jesus, God's salvation to our fellow neighbour as we wait and watch together with hope. A people who gather often, as often as we can, to pray together, always looking to Jesus, strengthening one another to love and obey God's word, showing hospitality to one another, being generous and kind to one another, chasing after those who are straying off in sin and gently restoring them, bringing them back, looking out for one another whose faith is wavering, who are just getting hit by life and struggling, praying for them, praying with them as they pray for you. Let's finish by praying together, shall we? Merciful Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful reminder of the sure, irrevocable, undisruptible hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for helping us to see so clearly that if we have hold of Jesus, we have hold of salvation. That we can live each day in this new year knowing that whatever happens, you've got hold of us. That you promise to bring us safely through it all, safely home to you in heaven. And so, Father, may that embolden us, give us courage to stand up, to stand strong for you, Jesus, and to hold out the beautiful name of Jesus for those who still need to hear of your beautiful, beautiful invitation to be rescued. Father, we pray this for their salvation, for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen.